Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter. This is the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. In this episode, our guests are comedians Ian Stone and Dana Alexander, and the hosts are me, Julian Hall, and comedian Sajila Kershey. We get to grips with quite a lot of issues. There's quite a few things spinning off the anti-lockdown march discussion. We also have tweets on the guilty verdict of Derek Chauvin, and on the mounting problems of Boris Johnson, mired in sleaze and so forth. We also cover the fiasco, the short-lived fiasco, that is the Super League. And please enjoy this episode. Uh, Don't forget to follow us at LKTZoom and look out for other podcasts in the collection. Hello world. Um, I hope I've started when the stream starts. I love that bit. Very exciting. It's Sunday. It's eight o'clock and you're watching Let's Kill Twitter uh, with me, Julian Hall. This is the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. It's a slightly uh, hopeful mission, but luckily I don't do that alone. In a minute, we'll be introducing two fantastic guests. That's comedians Ian Stone and Dana Alexander. But as ever, I am joined by my uh, also fantastic comedian and co-host, Sajila Kershey. Hello, Sajila. How are you? Hello, world. Hello, world. Um, Yeah, hello. Hello, Julian. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. okay. (laughs) It's it's been a beautiful weekend. Um, There's quite a lot in the Twitter mailbag this week, I think. Yes, there's a lot to get through. (laughs) Make that a thing, a Twitter mailbag, yes. And what I should just say to everybody watching Uh, is quickly is that if, uh, please obviously follow us at LKT Zoom. And if you want to track all the tweets that we had under discussion tonight, because we probably won't get around to all of them, they're all under our likes tab. Uh, So scroll down for, say, the last kind of six days and you'll see all the runners and riders. Uh, We'll we'll get to as many as possible. So as you were, sorry, Sajila, do carry on. Oh yeah, no. Just saying, we're just really enjoying the lovely weather today. I've done, I've done, managed to achieve quite a lot. Um, it's been a busy week, and there's been quite, um, uh, yeah. I, I want to get my teeth into the tonight because of, of of the tweeting that's been happening last week, and also the activities leading to the tweets mm. externally. Um, but yeah, uh, so and I think we've got the right guest today to kind of get get delve into all of that. But it's been a lovely weekend, I have to say, um, and I I feel I feel a bit more like the old me, I guess. Oh. Like almost, spring is, spring is very much in yes, the air. Yes, bring in my step, yes. Well, that's a very positive yeah. a positive thing to start on. Because, I, yeah, because I think Twitter was... Um, it's almost it's almost like looking at a Twitter feed can can do strange things to your mental health occasionally. Because uh, sunshine, on, sunshine on one sort of focus and then mm, this sort of uh, humanity on the other focus, focus. I mean, I kind of wish... And we'll, we'll, we'll discuss it, but I almost wish the Super League had been the only story this week and we could have just discussed, we could have just devoted it to that. But there has certainly been some, some other stories and we've got two fantastic guests who have picked some doozy, doozy tweets, I have to say. Um, so There's been some crossovers as well this week, I've noticed, with us, out, out once, things that we want to talk about and things that our guests want to talk about. That's true. There has been. There's been quite a lot of um, even not even scripted crossover. That's brilliant. It's no. just, just by osmosis, which is what we like to see. So let's get let's get the guys in the Zoom room. Um, would you like to introduce Dana first? 
Well, um, I recently worked with Dana on her fantastic podcast, which I urge you to go and see. So she's live streams on, on Facebook. Um, uh, Nadalia Alexandra uh, started at 18 years old, which is, I think that's probably one of the youngest comedians I know who started then. Um, she's from Canada originally. Originally, um, she's uh, completed five television galas, moved to the UK. She's been doing the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, being uh, included as best comic, uh, won the uh, Black Comedy Awards. Um, I mean, God, you know, I could go on. She is a woman of substance, very funny, um, very, very intelligent. I'm really pleased that we've got her this this week. It's Donna Alexandra. Please show yourself. Yes. Hello. I hope that's a little bit better. Oh, look. Yeah. Colorful yeah, cushions think... and everything. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Oh. Hey, how are you guys? I recognize that from your podcast. What's the podcast called? I'm so sorry. I've, got, I've forgotten the... I have three. Actually, one... Three, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, Shantae, You Stay at Home, Bed Quiz, the Weekly Side Eye, which, we, Side Eye. which is a topical new uh, show that we had. And on Fridays, I cook in my kitchen and it's called Foodie Fridays. Oh, Foodie Friday, keeping yeah. yourself busy, like really busy during lockdown. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it's good to have you here. And um, have, you, have you been making, apart from the three shows, uh, have you been doing gigs in the world that we used to know as comedy or just doing <laughs> Zoom gigs yourself? Oh God, I haven't had a real gig since December. I was one of the last nights of lockdown. So I've been lucky. I've been gigging the last night of both last, the last two lockdowns and just online stuff. But I'm happy to say the rest of the year looks good after May. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, Julian's going to uh, bring in our next one. Yeah, totally. Guests. We've just been we've just been momentarily photobombed by that. So let me formally <laughs> bring us a great pleasure to bring on one of the UK's foremost topical comedians and MCs, uh, someone I've had the pleasure to watch many times, including at Edinburgh and in Clubland, including the, the fantastic uh, Comedy Store's Cutting Edge team, which Ian is part of. Uh, you might well have seen Ian on, uh, on Mock the Week uh, and a number of other shows, and of course, BT Sports, the football's on, because Ian is a, a mad keen football fan and a mad keen Arsenal fan. Whether football and Arsenal are the same thing at the moment is debatable. Uh, last year, Ian's uh, debut book, To Be Someone, came out, which is the story of growing up with the jam. Not that Ian lived in the same house as Paul Weller, but basically growing up with the jam's music. So tell us, so tell us about that and a bit more. Please welcome Ian Stone. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw, I did pop up for a bit there, didn't I? And then I left again hurriedly in a slightly embarrassed state. But anyway, hello, everyone. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Um, hello. Yes. Um, yeah. Mock the week. I think I said one word in about two hours and forty-five minutes. But oh, you know, don't, don't ruin the illusion. <laughs> nice. It's nice to be remembered for that one word. Slightly nervous. I had a, I had quite a good routine that went all right, but God, I hated it. It was like um, seven drowning men with one life jacket. That's how I remember Mock the Week. <laughs> I think that was the title of the uh, of the pilot, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, actually, do, can you just tell us a bit more about the book um, that you wrote? Because I did read that Paul Weller had actually lent a quote to it, and along the lines of basically, oh, it's a useful reminder to how shit it was to grow up in the 1970s. That's what he said, Paul Weller. Um, and this, you know, I've got a copy here. I'm going to get it. There it is. Absolutely. Oh, there, there to be someone. Um, yeah, it's about, it's a part autobiography, part social history and part love letter to Paul Weller and the Jam. Um, and it's got some cartoons by uh, Phil Jupiter, 
who um, oh, Phil right. actually knew yeah. Paul because Phil wrote. Uh, Phil used to open when he was Porky the poet. He used to open for the Star Council, so they knew each other. Wow. And um, and Paul Weller um, read the book before it came out and gave me a quote saying, "I really like this book. I'd forgotten how shit it was in the 70s. <laughs> that was the first thing he said. He phoned me up. He went, "Ian, it's Paul Weller," and I wanted to go. I know, but I didn't. I went, "Oh, hey, Paul." And uh, and that's and then it's the first thing he said to me. I really like this book. I've forgotten how shit it was in the seventies. And I went, "Can I use that as a quote on the front cover?" He said, "Of course." So, and, um, but you've met I've him met before, him. haven't you? No. Oh, you hadn't. Well, I'd 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 been a fan at gigs, and I'd sort of, "Hello, Paul. Can I have your autograph?" You know, that sort of great gig, Paul, and all that. Love the album, but I'd never had a proper conversation with him. And I had a bite to eat with him a few months after this. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a lovely extra little thing that I wasn't expecting from writing the book. But um, it's a nice it's a nice little moment, you know. So we we asked uh, Donna, can I just Oh go on. What, we need to have a little signal Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we just put our hands up. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I was just gonna ask if Donna knows who the Star Council and Paul Weller I have are. The jam C D hey in the nineties I used to hang out at this um funky little book slash cafe place. So like I know all of their I know all their hits. I have that same album with that little blue, white, and red target. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, a lot of jam stuff had the blue, white, and red target. But it's nice. It's nice, Dana. Do you not think they're quite an English band, though, to be honest? I listened to a lot of that kind of music um, growing up, the Smiths and stuff. I don't know what, what drew me to it. I guess my mom's British. I was always really fascinated with how British people can make pop music depressing. <laughs> uh, British people can make anything show. depressing. Yeah, anything can't they? depressing. What was that? What the one line? And it wasn't the jams. I was looking for a job, and then uh, I found a job. I'm like, oh god, it's the Smiths. Heaven Take knows, I'm, now. Heaven knows is, I'm miserable now. I always wonder Morrissey. if I shouldn't have sued Morrissey for the sort of lack of girlfriends in my teenage years. I mean, there is a court case waiting to happen because you. Delving into lyrics like that, then uh, you don't have a positive outlook on life. <laughs> did, just... did you ever see Everyday Party People? 24 hour party. 24 hour yeah, 24. People. You remember when they're all partying in the, the, ca- the cab or whatever, then he just looks out the window and everything turns gray. Yeah. <laughs> he says, that was so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Britain. Yeah, this is us. <laughs> what, what I love about that is that it's obviously Steve Coogan playing the impresario Tony Wilson. And I think, is it Peter Hook who said that it's uh, basically the, the first biggest wanker in Manchester played by the second or something like that? <laughs> Very That's funny. so funny. Very funny. Rude, but funny. But, uh, I did uh, Morrissey's makeup once, actually, weird fact. And he's as miserable in real life as he was on stage. This was when he was young. I remember he had a uh, really bright red jacket on. And I was a student and I was working at Harvey Nichols. And he came in and had his makeup done. Really, really sad person. Well, Very miserable. He's more miserable now because the Simpsons have done a, an episode taking the piss out of him, haven't they? And he got really, <laughs> really upset about it. And a character, um, essentially, who was Morrissey. That's Although they deny thing. it. They deny it. But um, and they, this character was quite right wing and, and a bit of a miserableist, which is what uh, Morrissey has become. Oh God! You got to take it where you, the Simpsons can say anything they want about me. I'm well, not yeah, get exactly. Sad about exactly. It. It's an honor, isn't it? It's just it's an honor in any form. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Now we did ask um, both of you now, um, to uh, pick out what your sort of biggest altercation, if you like, with Twitter was, or your biggest Twitter moment. So um, I don't know whether 
Then you can freestyle on that one if you want to, but I'm just going to bring up Ian's, um, Ian's done it in a tweet from way back in 2017. Um, the Tories want to bring back fox hunting. Labour wants free car parking at hospitals. So many difficult choices in this election. Obviously not enough to swing it, Ian, but you definitely got a few uh, retweets and likes on that it's one. Funny that you, it's funny that you say that. I actually, I, I had a look at the, uh, the analytics on this tweet. It was, it, 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 there were two and a half million impressions. In other words, two and a half million times somebody went right. past this tweet, yeah. may have read it, didn't interact with it, but may have read it. I actually think this tweet had a bit of a, an effect at that election. Jeremy Corbyn did a lot better than uh, he would have been expected to. And I think political slogans, they, they, you want something like this. The Tories want to bring back fox hunting. Labour wants free car parking at hospitals. It's, it's a very, very, very concise political slogan. I mean, obviously, some people took it seriously, obviously. obviously. Somebody, somebody tweeted to me saying, well, it's more complicated than that. And I thought, well, I know it is. I know. But I, my mum was in hospital at the time, and I, um, and I had to pay for parking, as I always did. And I, and I remember thinking, oh, yeah, Jeremy Corbyn wants free car parking in the hospitals, came up with a gag, tweeted it, went to see my mum, when I came out an hour later, I'd had about 3,000 retweets. You know, and I thought, what happened there? It's just a gag. I Not even that good a gag. I'll tell you this. It, they paid for parking at the hospital is what the hell happened to them. Because my friend dropped her dad in and out to radiology. Cost her 50 bucks. She wasn't in there. And I just thought, wow. And then I remember when my ex's uh, brother was dying. You know, his mother was paying crazy amounts just to watch her son die. And I'm just like... Who does that? Who actually tries to profit off of people who are in so many cases trying to support someone who's clearly sick enough to be in a hospital? So that's what it is, I think. Well, I think it's the, the juxtaposition of the ideas as well, isn't it, really? Mm. And, and, and it obviously hit a, uh, a nerve because it had 19,000 retweets and almost 30,000 likes. telling you it's because they paid for that parking. That's I think what it's, it was. I think it's possibly the case, really. Mm -hmm. But it, it, that was my biggest... Twitter moment, I suppose. I've had a few in the thousands with Arsenal and some very funny jokes that seem to have worked quite well, but nothing, nothing like that. That is so good. That I, be... I, I, it's good. I must admit, I'm always disappointed. I'm always fascinated by the metrics of how many, as you say, millions of people have seen that tweet and then you get a certain ratio of that. And I'm always disappointed that when I look at our, the metrics for our tweets and I just see the millions that have seen our tweets and only getting one or two likes. What's going on? Well, anyway, yeah, <laughs> we're not um, cool I'm... enough. We're not. We're not with the cool kids like Ian's. Ian's a cool kid. Um, but Thank do you, you, do you know? Do you remember what time? This is. Yeah, you're a cool. You're a cool kid. Um, I think you know what. I'd like to do a little. Every time we ask guests this, we should see what time and what day of the week that they tweeted the tweet that got them all the likes and stuff. And then that's probably what? there's some sort of. What? It was a weekday. Well, it says there. It was four o'clock yeah. on a weekday. It says on there. It's called past four in Barnet. So I'm wondering if we should go to Barnet and start tweeting from Barnet. <laughs> it wasn't it. in Barnet. Oh, it was in Northwick Park, actually. Ah. That's where my mum was in hospital. Ah. It says and I did Barnet, it in the right. car park. I know. I did it in the car park on the way uh, on the way in. So uh, there you go. Yeah. I wonder what day of the week. I'm just going to look it up now as we're here. <laughs> so Dana, what about yeah. you? Yeah. I'm, I'm not the biggest Twitter. You'd think um, I'd be more of a, a tweeter, considering how vocal I can be. 
But uh, Facebook is still where the party's at for me. Oh. <laughs> but I did happen to get okay. into it with, uh, well, she actually didn't end up saying anything, but I've been in it with her a couple of times. Abby Roberts and her uh, her stance oh. on um, Derek Chauvin's uh, mob, apparently mob rule yeah. is what I thought of a tweet for her. Should we start, we, should we start there then, Dana? Because you've, pe yeah. you've picked that tweet. I, I noticed that tweet. And I know Ian certainly did because Ian's one of the reply, and I'll show you the reply. So basically, this is last week. Is it Wednesday? Was it Wednesday night? I think the verdict came out. The guilty verdict came out. It was Wednesday night. Tuesday not, night. Tuesday, Tuesday night. Um, I've lost all track to it. I've got to be honest. But uh, I know that. So um, I'll read the tweet out if you like. Regardless of the verdict, Derek Chauvin's trial has set a legal precedent that the threat of mob violence can influence a trial. You might say that's fair enough given the terrible circumstances, but imagine. Imagine it's you on the stand next. Are you okay with that? And then just to, uh, since you're here, Ian, your tweet is uh, still one of the highest uh, ones below. And as you point out, alternatively, perhaps the film of him kneeling on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes while he repeatedly said that he couldn't breathe might have provided compelling evidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think most of us have seen Abby. The thing about Abby, as a person, she her husband died last year, and I guess... People who are alone in uh, in lockdown, they, you can see people losing it a little bit. We've all got both. We've all got friends who you think we're a bit worried about them in lockdown. Um, having said that, I thought what Abby tweeted here was really stupid and and really just an appalling take. So I thought I'd just deal with what she said head on. I don't know what you felt, Dana. I mean. Oh, I wrote back. I'm like, well, why don't why don't you get into the streets with your hate, your knee and your uh, hate speech and test theory, girl? Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's getting ridiculous. I think I'm a little bit. I mean, I wish I could get. I, if I were to ever behave like that online, the last thing anybody would be looking for is a reason. They'd just be like, that bitch is crazy. <laughs> that's that's the end of it. I'm trying to figure out what. I'm trying to have compassion, but I'm just like, you know what? I'm tired of it because at yeah, the end of course. the day, she has a massive platform and she's spreading misinformation. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's just like that Piers Morgan nonsense with Meghan Markle. Okay, sure, he didn't come out and say the N-word, but he did fan the flames of the people who do have a problem with her. Do you know what I mean? When you get the, when those dog whistles go out and because these people like to rally together, I don't, what she's doing is unsafe and I don't think people... A lot of people don't understand the actual consequences. Oh, it's just freedom of speech. It's like you know, it's like words. Words lead to deed. Dana, well, do you think? Do you think? Sorry, Sajila. Do you mind if I? Sorry. Um, no, 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 please take it. Dana, do you think in the same way that I see, and we might talk about this later on? I see evidence of anti-Semitism, which people who aren't Jewish just may not pick up on. I'm assuming that black people would feel the same way. And, and would, would hear the dog whistles before the rest of us, essentially. The, the microaggressions, oh yeah, yeah all yeah, day. Yeah. And you get them from people who think they're giving you a compliment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or they'll say, oh wow, you're so light. I never would have, just stupid things like that. Or like I actually have the amount of colorism I get for being light or being dark if I've tanned too much. And people, people think like, oh, it's so good. You're not so, it's, it's constant. I don't even, to me, it's so obvious, but people can't see it. It's been so normalized. You know what I mean? I think it's a, it's an interesting one because I had a lot of comedians send me this, you know, you know what comedians are like. So we haven't, we haven't got car journeys back home. So now we're just like sending each other stuff on WhatsApp. And, um, you know, knowing Abby, being friends with her in the past, 
I, I was really shocked by this, um, and it's it's not you know, and it's one of the arguments that's been going up on the on the on the stream of of the thread um, that it's freedom of speech. It isn't free. Yes, you've got your freedom of speech, but it's also our freedom then just respond and say, well, we think this is pretty nasty what you're saying, and you know, especially this last week, I have been livid when it comes to issues around racism um, because there's been so much of it, uh, you know, and I have to big up. Uh, people who called out the racism at Amnesty International, um, ex-colleagues who, you know, who, good on them for doing that. And, and we do need to call it out. And as fellow comedians, friends, you know, just people who are not of colour, people who aren't Jewish, people who aren't Muslim, they need to call this shit out. And it can't just be on us. And Donna, I know you must be in a similar position where you kind of keep, you, you call out what you can, but you can't go around every single day. But yeah, before I even get into London, I will have experienced three or four microaggressions on the route. Oh, and, and that, that is a reality for people of color. They had a they had a show in Toronto. This made me absolutely crazy. It was called White Guys Matter. I said, "Wow, you're really doing this." And you guys are all rallying behind these guys. Of course, they were all sorry when you know George Floyd came up. And then I'm like, "Do you remember when these guys did that?" And you were all sitting there supporting them. I think I got into a fight with hmm, I don't know. 23 colleagues on Facebook and probably 15 won't talk to me, but I got some good jokes. Daryl Mack <laughs> spelt with three K's. He did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is, but it's a funny joke, whoever it is. Um, I mean, there's quite a few tweets that we picked out that mm. have been around this sort of stuff, haven't well, we? Well, this is it. I mean, yeah, thanks, Ian. That's, that is, I was just thinking the same thing. Um, you, you obviously mentioned anti-Semitism. Now, one of the tweets that came from yesterday's um, lockdown, uh, anti-lockdown uh, march, if I, I may have just gone past it actually, was picked up by, um, was tweeted out by David Badil. He, he got the photo, I think somebody else sent him the photo. Um, basically, it's this woman who's involved in the anti-lockdown march who's got the yeah the yellow star uh, chain around her neck obviously that would have was used in the, in the concentration camps she wasn't the only person on that march to yeah it was to a be few caught wearing that um, I mean it, it's just like you know again it's so it's just such a kind of it's it sort of my sort of like you know can't find the words to sort of plumb the depth of the, the moronic 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 yeah. is the word you're looking for it's utterly moronic but. You, know. you don't have to be Jewish either to understand that this is wrong. That's what makes me angry. It's like, oh, we don't know. How? No, no, no. We all know this is wrong. And in fact, it's both the tweet that uh, I think all of us picked this one out, didn't we? Yeah, all, right? almost all. I think that, yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone, everyone, yeah. yeah, I saw. I mean, I saw it, and and like everyone else, I just thought, oh my god. I I actually, my first thought really was, the education system in this country needs to improve. Oh that, God, yeah. Would she wear people... shackles on her wrists as well? Like, what is yeah, she yeah. Doing? Are they shackles? I thought it was just uh, beads. No, I, I said, I said nice. would she? Would she? Oh, would she? Yeah. I imagine, I imagine she would. But at the end of the day, she's not going to go back to a um, two hundred person dormitory with room for forty people. She's going to go back to her house and have a glass of wine and think she's been fighting for freedom. And I think this sense of entitlement. I mean, like I say, there is obviously the anti-Semitism of it, but it's more the sense of entitlement of those people on the march yesterday. It's sort of like, well, we hate what's going on, and you think, well, we, what do you think? We like it. We're not enjoying it any more than you. We just understand that this is what you need to do, and don't go conflating 
the freedoms you've had taken away that you can't go and sit inside a restaurant with um, being rounded up and taken to a concentration camp and gassed to death, you moron. I did actually have a little moment when I thought, would it be the right thing if I saw her to pin her up against the wall and grab the star and take it off? I imagine it would be a bit much, really, but that's certainly how I would feel if I saw it. I would cuss her out for sure. And I would tell tell somebody to hit record and make sure that it's in landscape. Do you know what I mean? Because that's nothing more annoying than they got in that profile view with those tabs on the side. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Yeah, it was stupid. Stupid. That's what it was. So There's we... a lot of stupidity on that march though. I mean I did I don't no know. Mask. No yeah, mask. I mean there were some other videos where somebody was saying, Oh, um, what do you do? Oh, I'm self employed. It's almost like a, they use this excuse as a jolly to to go up to London. I don't know. I might be wrong, but I didn't see any people of colour. This is this is one that, uh, yeah, that, that Katie it does feel quite well. a white. It does feel quite a white thing. The anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the 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 black and Asian community have their own issues with vaccines, don't they? In terms of take up. Mm. But... I have a plan. Do you? <laughs> yes, I do. I'm gonna get vaccinated with a white friend, and then right before they're about to prick us, I'm like, give me hers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, it is, it's, just, it's the fear and the suspicion and that they're, you know, they're going to treat, um, that they're going to inject I because you are a person of colour, because you're Asian, because you're black, they're going to inject you with something, you know, it, it, really? it is that mistrust. Why? Which, yeah, it, it, I think there's a lot of mistrust. There's a history of it about, and a legacy of it. Yeah, no, I get yeah. that, but we're not, that's then. This is now. What surely. are they, I mean, really, I just think people are a little bit more covert about it nowadays, if you really, if you ask me. I don't trust anybody. I mean, I, I'm, I just don't. I'll take I'll take the vaccine, but there is a certain when it comes to medical negligence, that whole thing about you know a lot of medical prof professionals thinking that black people feel less pain when you complain about your symptoms, you're not taken as seriously. Do you know what it, which goes to? Of course, you've seen that. No, that's true. Statistic, you know, the f four times more likely to die in childbirth. Child yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so you look yeah. at so you look at these things and. It, you know these racism like i mean it's it's it permeates every do you know yeah. what i mean okay okay i mean i i do i do accept that i just i don't know this feels like such a, a unique moment if but, you know what i mean that's quite... we're all giving up so many freedoms for so long and I yeah, think... but i mean i think there is a difference there are those who marched and like i say it is you know from what i could see a mainly white kind of sea a tsunami of of, of you know white angry people to those who it's not to do with culture necessarily it's just that they are suspicious you know they're they're, they're going to experiment you know I've, I've had family members saying they're going to experiment on me because we've had family members who've just died and there's been no explanation you know there's been um no accountability for for things that have gone wrong and so i i actually love the nhs can i just say and I, they you know if it wasn't for them for the last two years i wouldn't have got all the treatment and the care that I've had. Mm. But at the same time, I get a, you know, I've also had to pull up, um, let's just say the more middle class doctors who won't even look me in the eye, won't even look at who I am, don't get my name right. I'm sorry, Donna. I Dana, got Dana. But yeah, you know, don't, <laughs> Dana, Dana, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, I even do it there. This is, I'm a racist, I've got to go. <laughs> but the point is, you know, um, I can see if if you are fearful, I can see, but that's no excuse. I should get it. And that's why I'm really like open about, yes, I've had my vaccine. It's really important. Get the vaccine, you know, save your life. 
Um, but it's very different to then going out on the streets and marching and saying that oh, your freedoms yeah. have been taken you're away. Right. You're that, right. It that, is. You know, and you, you know, and you, you entitled little fucks. I'm sorry, I can't even control myself with some of the stupidity that I saw yesterday. How can you come in when, when you see someone like India or Brazil who are really, really, you know, with the numbers are so up that this is some kind of world conspiracy? You know, and, that your COVID you know what deniers. Really, really interesting is when COVID. You know, obviously Wuhan. That's where it's it began. That's everybody understands that the racism they were just giving to. Anybody who looked like they could be from that side of the planet, I think a, a kid from Singapore got jumped, right? And then Italy had that massive breakout and they had the exact opposite reaction. Everybody was stocking up on pasta. It was so, it was so weird to me. <laughs> they were. Like, and stuff pasta. from Italy. I live right next to an Italian shop. They, you should have seen people stocking up on pasta. I'm like, wow, you don't want to eat Asian food, but when Italy gets it, you need all the pasta you can. What is that? So let's stick it, yeah, no, stick it slightly on the, the look. So we've just, I put the tweet up from Casey Brown, which basically was echoing what Ian was saying as uh, a moment ago that's been on screen for a long time. This is one from Suze Kempner, who's, you know, pointing out people are allowed outside, nobody's stopping them, pubs and restaurants fully open, go out, grow the fuck up and watch something on Netflix. But Ian, you chose a, a tweet which sort of sort of frames this in an interesting way for me, in the sense, of, um, if I can find it, um, which is what Emma, which is Emma's tweet, um, which is has a more kind of um, so Emma Kenny, short and sweet, um, basically tweeting. So Emma Kenny, I don't know, she's on um, this morning. She's the Ag Agni on. I didn't realise that. Yeah, um, she's very anti-lockdown. Very anti-lockdown. Uh, I follow her because I think it's good to follow people yeah. who who you disagree with, even though it is a little bit triggering on occasion. But I mute them for a while if I'm really if they're pissing me off too much. But that's what she said. Well, just looking at the scenes in central London, must be a million people there. Well, no, there wasn't. No matter what your personal views may be, clearly people need to be heard. Well, I'm not sure I agree with the last sentence. Uh, and I could do without the kiss as well at the end. You don't need to kiss me. You're bringing me bad news. But 2,000 retweets. There are there are quite a lot of people who seem to feel this way. And, and I don't know, I think dis, just dismissing them as idiots. I mean, obviously, somebody who wears a yellow star is an idiot. But I think just dismissing people as idiots, it didn't work for Brexit, mm. for, for, did it? No. No. I'm not sure it's it's a good idea to do it here. So I I, I would engage with Emma once in a while, but in general, but then it gets I just hard think... because you're talking to an idiot. Well, <laughs> this is you, know you see this is really interesting to me because I in the thought process leading up to this, first of all, it's a very interesting tweet Ian because you've 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 obviously she's trying to put a case where people need to be heard, uh, and there is an arg there is you know there is an argument for that. You've mentioned Brexit. And I'm sort of thinking, I remember people after Brexit saying, well, look, we've got to forgive the people that didn't vote your way after Brexit. And then the next issue comes up and then we've got to say, but when you've got to forgive the people who thought a different way about, you know, lockdown yeah. or COVID or whatever. And it is going to get to the point where there is literally an event diagram. There is nobody left that you tr can trust or, or want to forgive. It is, I find it is a really difficult one. And the other thing that I would just throw in quickly here is the fact that it wasn't something that was covered uh, an awful lot, if at all, on BBC. Uh, some of the, the other mainstream outlets. Mainstream media. Yeah, well, I'm not. A, you see, I'm not a basher of mainstream media. I find it really worrying that the current that mainstream media is is attacked constantly. 
um, you know, by, so for example, let me give a really quick example. Tim Burgess uh, tweeted something um, the other day about all the newspapers that were owned by um, sort of billionaires and all the rest of it. It's like, yes, but within that, you've got the, the newspapers that, that um, broke the scandal of MPs' expenses. You've got the newspapers yes. that have done so much to uncover what's happening, like the Green Seal affair. The Daily the Mail, FT, the Daily Mail, and, you know. The, the Daily Mail, which I think is a disgusting rag, did more than anyone to bring to justice the, uh, the killers of Stephen Lawrence. So, well, yeah. you know, it, I, I think there's... Because they knew, because their readers knew where those motherfuckers were. Well, their readers, yeah, 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 that's right. They they were related, some of them. But no, the point is, I suppose that I I think the point you're making, Julian, this this whole thing is I disagree with you, therefore I want nothing to do with you. I don't think it's helpful in the long term. I don't think it's helpful. I think it's part of the reason. No, I genuinely don't. I think it's part of the reason that the Labour Party got so annihilated at the last election. You're either with us or against yeah. us. People are willful, willfully ignorant, though. And when you start on a basis of, well, I don't I think this group of people is less human than me and deserves less rights. That's not a great place to start. It's a really hard. It might be easier for you because you're in this society. You're a male. Do you know what I mean? You're white. I know you're Jewish. So that comes with other things. But, you know, when you, you have to argue for your own humanity, there's a point where it's like this person just does not think I am as human as they are. I, and it's a really hard part to start at. I, I, I agree think, with I you. Think though, true. Yeah, I, th yeah, I, I, I see that that is the case. And, and, and yeah, maybe it is easy for me as a white man, albeit a Jewish one, but as a white man to 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 live in this society and brush things off a little bit. But I'm even... I, I just think things are so polarized now. Yeah. And how does anything, all that happens is you swing from one extreme to the other and there's no middle ground. And, and I, yeah. I quite like the middle ground. Yeah. I genuinely do, politically, certainly. I, I'm not, I'm not. I'm, know, right, I'm with you there. I'm with you. I'm I don't know where the middle ground is anymore, though. I think when it comes to, you know, turning wow. the page on racism, if you will, if you look at Germany, for example, uh, they had a denazification program. If you look at South Africa after apartheid, they had a truth and reconciliation. There has to be a moment of reckoning where people have to really look inside of themselves and say, hey, it's it's almost impossible in a country like America not to have these views, because if, if, every, if every single statue you look at looks like this group of people and you're never represented in groups that are, you know, CEOs. Uh, it's getting a little bit better with politics because they need our vote and they know that our population is growing. But if you never see yourself reflected in high status, pe people start to create bias and we have to acknowledge that the, this bias exists. I, I think the problem with talking to the other side is they don't even want to acknowledge that there's a problem. Like, look no. at the race report. Come on now. That's that took us back in time. And it's like and there's a point where it's like, you know what? We have books. I remember when we had to go to the library for information. We have Google now. If people are truly interested in, you know, repairing themselves or learning about their own bias and, and bigotry, then they, there's so many books and articles and videos for them and lectures for them to learn from. But the problem is, is that so many are willfully ignorant and they don't want to acknowledge that there's a problem at all. And I just want to pick up what you just said, Ian, about you read, you know, you follow people that you don't necessarily agree with. And I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely all, all for that because mm. it's important to know all sort of ground. But I also want to say that you compared it to Brexit, the Brexit vote. The Brexit vote was 
you know that it that is that is that is our voting system that's our right but when it comes to people's health you know we have to sort of take on board what scientists are saying and these people are actually marching you know quoting uh Suze Kempner we're already going to have lockdown end so you are marching for something oh, yeah. we're already going to get yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the same and again picking up when Donna said so no but you know it, it, you can't <laughs> if they are willfully ignorant like sajila who can't get a name right with four Sorry, letters girl. then you have to stop engaging with them you can't you can't say we've got to listen to them when there doesn't seem to be any I, reasoning. Can I... And I'm also sharing the middle, the middle space. I like that middle space. I can see both sides. But on this case, I don't. I do think it's even with Brexit, I could get that. I could get that. I just think I'm angry that, look, we're in this mess. But I do think that there are certain instances like, like this march, which makes no sense to me when you could have gone on the Stephen Lawrence march. You could have used your energy there. For something that you know might be actually sticking up for somebody this is just you your selfish kind yeah, of self-centered well, i mean they would argue hang on i'm gonna to have to provide a few counter arguments here because as much as i wasn't particularly enjoyed i follow someone who was sort of live tweeting uh, and i actually have them on alerts as well who was live tweeting the march yesterday probably uh, it was yesterday saturday probably wasn't a great idea to be following all of those tweets and have people saying so there was one tweet that said, these are the true British people. It's like, well, when you start saying things like that, it's never a good, never a good road. But tied up in all of this is, right, they don't want vaccine passports. Well, there's quite a few people that don't want vaccine passports that weren't. No masks. That, you know, yeah, the no mask thing, I just don't get. I mean, the, 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 the sort of the screaming and sort of, um, you know, ranting about masks, I just really don't get that i would just totally get a life but also wrapped into this is people who will say well look at the look at the cancer deaths that we've had and then you know look at what's happening to people's livelihoods uh, Mike, because their businesses are closed no i'm not yeah well that's tr that's we fair do enough care. we but, also think that's terrible but we just think you know what in this particular case it seems to be spread by people mixing so if we can't mix we can't mix my dad I went to visit my dad the other day, took him for his first haircut in four months. It's a good day, actually. <laughs> but but it, I'm not saying this lockdown is slowly killing him, but it is slowly killing him. He's been alone for a year. And I, I would rather it wasn't the case. I genuinely would rather it wasn't the case. But I'm not going to go marching against it because I can see there's a lot of scientific evidence suggesting that might be keeping him alive. Whether... It's a particularly great life to be locked in your flat 24 hours a day for a year. I don't know, but... Can I say one thing? Yeah, of course. Um, I think we're so lucky that this is happening in 2021. Oh, thank God. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. if anything, I'm going to yeah. take a pause. One positive thing is I've actually got to connect with lots of comics through shows and things like that all over the world. So there is a there is a spin side to this where I think, I don't know about you, but I have an air fryer now. <laughs> you don't you don't know who you don't know who I am in, in this in these kitchen streets I, I was I was home long enough to get into a relationship that that was not able to that wasn't a, that, I couldn't do that for 10 years yeah not with you know the air fryer I mean? though you're not in a relationship with him <laughs> oh, that's how I lock him down that's how I lock him down <laughs> so, 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 there, so yeah well can I just throw this one last thing in there well, first of all I, my point about mainstream media earlier was that I'm worried that there is a damage 
to mainstream media if this does, goes totally unreported. I can sort of see reasons, editorial reasons for that, but you know. But my, my crucial question, and I have to say that interaction was fantastic because it covered so many bases. It's officially LKT gold. But what about next time, that the next pandemic? I mean, I know it's a terrible thing to say. I cannot see the lockdown function being applied in the same way after, after this. I'm not saying that the anti-lockdowners have, have won the argument, but I really, I really don't think we're going to do it in the same way. No? Well, we've had we've had epidemics, right? We had swine flu, bird flu, mad cow disease, right? So it's often even what was the one in ripping through Africa, um, Ebola, Ebola, right? So most of the time we've been pretty successful in containing these I don't know things. If you can I think in mad cow disease to to a coronavirus though. well that's what that's my point right yeah. like every everything is we don't know what kind of a pandemic we do have these things happen it's but it's been a hundred years since it's been as communicable as you know the spanish mm. flu yeah, was this one's a bad one i used to have some good ebola material i can't remember it anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since i gigged you know when people Just... come up to you once and i go oh i really like that stuff you used to do about and you go what stuff and they tell you and you go oh that's quite funny that but anyway you just should change your bowler just to, to to just just you know it could be it, you could bring it Fresh back it now. It could be coronavirus now, couldn't yeah, it? It was like Iraq War One material could be used in Iraq War Two, couldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's true actually, or indeed any war in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah you're okay. right. Okay, I feel another topic coming on. Oh yes, um, let's, let's do something quite... cheerful. Well, let's let, yeah, I think this is comparatively more cheerful. I'm going to have to go with the Super League uh, tweets. Um, and actually, we could start with uh... Dana. Dana, can I apologise at this point for this? But I know you don't really follow football, as mm -hmm. far as I understand. You mean it. soccer? Yeah. yeah okay. Well, exactly. That's the point I'm making. Really. Yeah, me neither. I mean, the reason we won't spend too long on it, but it was threatening to be the biggest story of last week. Obviously, other things that I think have eclipsed it, and also the fact that the Super League itself didn't end up occurring. Um, Ian, just talk us through Ian, Ian Wright's tweet here, and then I might just share a couple of other tweets on the subject as well. All right. Well, you you know me that I am connected with Arsenal, or, or at least with football. I broadcast about it. I talk about it. I go and watch it as well. I've been brought up on it since I was a little kid, and um, Arsenal's my team. And when they decided to put a Super League together, they Arsenal were one of the 12 teams that qualified for the Super League by dint of having more money than other teams and um arsenal fans absolutely hated the idea every arsenal fan including ex-players like ian wright that that tweet there and other tweets that ian wright did about um about the soup about arsenal and how he's ashamed of uh, of arsenal um basically means that he won't work as an ambassador for the club so that tells right. you how strongly he felt about what happened but essentially it was it was um taking away the competitive element that we that we love in our football and just making it into 12 gigantic teams like a gigantic football circus that would travel the world manchester united would play real madrid in beijing in front of a hundred thousand chinese people waving flags and dropping a hundred quid in the club shop so that's what the owners of the big clubs wanted and football fans like myself we're called legacy fans we're ones who would go home and away and have been going for years said we don't want this and i ended up going to a i mean we were talking about the demonstration the anti-lockdown i went to the arsenal demonstration um outside the emirates stadium on tuesday 
and had a really good time there, to be honest. <laughs> it was very good nature, and we sang some Socially songs. distanced, I assume. No, no, oh. no, not socially distanced at all. But I didn't get into the main throng. I just filmed a little bit and sang a little bit. And I, you know what? I've missed that community. I genuinely have. We all have our little communities, and, and, and we've become more aware of how much we need them during lockdown. And, you know, Arsenal and the fans and, and my friends who I used to meet before games... That was my little community as well, and I've missed them. So it was, honestly, it was a really nice thing to go down there for an hour and, and just express our upset at these voracious vulture American owners and what they're trying to do to our game. And one more thing, I genuinely believe that what happened with the Super League in those two days was a working-class uprising. It was essentially a socialist revolution. Uh, of of working class, mainly men, obviously, and um, and I I think it was a good thing because I think it's important for billionaires to know the limits of their power. But in fairness, a bit like the French Revolution, it was a working class revolution that was totally supported by you know echelons of the middle class like Boris Johnson and um, who else was? I mean, nobody was supporting it. That was it. It was just like you know the fans didn't support it. Most of the ex players didn't support it who no would, you one know, you know six the prime owners, minister six owners supported it the owners who football finances which i won't go into now are in a total mess especially after a year of mm. uh, of uh, the pandemic barcelona owe over a billion dollars that's their debt. that's what i was thinking they just got greedy and who when it comes to greed bring in the americans well they they wanted to have all the russians yeah, all the russians <laughs> listen football has already got Chinese. appalling appalling oligarchs and nation states with with dodgy human rights records who own various clubs but this was anti-competitive and and we and it's our culture it's these are our clubs and you can't take them away from us and and i and i so i demonstrated because i i felt quite strongly about the whole thing and ian wright who is an arsenal legend also felt strongly about it and i was pleased with with the way things went so guys did it impact on your did, how much of this did you notice because i mean one thing it was good for was for comedy so you've got a couple of takes here um Laura Claxton, who's been on this show before with her very funny tweets, was the European Super League an apprentice task? Because obviously it didn't succeed and didn't last for very long. Uh, you've got James McManus, who I think is uh, yeah, head of social at BT Sport. Uh, and he used a clip from Would I Lie to You, Bob Mortimer. I once created a European Super League, but screwed up the launch so badly it collapsed within two days after all 12 teams withdrew from it. Because you just couldn't make it up, essentially. Nothing surprises me when it comes to green and money. That's all no. I got to say. No, it is about money, really. And they are greedy. It's true. But it's nice to know that they can't do anything they want to do, even though they're billionaires, isn't it? Just I mean, prepare yourself for when they try again. Oh, they will try again, but we'll stop them again. Good. Why would we not stop them again? This, so, this was an idea that was mooted um, a few... I do remember seeing this idea mooted a, a while ago. But, Ian, I've got a, the, the $6 million or more question for me is that surely, you know, the boot has been put into football years ago in terms of money. And I was saying before we started how I was a West Ham supporter, but after we lost Defoe, Carrick and all the rest of it, 
it just fell apart for me because I'd been used to a team that could get yo-yo from the first and second divisions as they used to be and they would retain all their players the next season the, yeah. the crazy gang but not the actual it's, crazy gang You'd it's still different now it's different now it's less equable than it used to be but Leicester City as even I'm, I'm sure Sajida and Dana know Leicester City won the Premier League five years ago in the most unlikely sporting triumph that's probably ever happened I have 5, the poster on my wall do you have really? <laughs> I don't know about this. I love no, but there, it does. Sport should be, it should be a level playing field. Now it isn't really a level playing field because some of these clubs are much richer than others. But the big guy or woman can still beat the little guy or woman, right? And that's how it should be. But this was locking in privilege, and surely in these times when we want more equality, that's the wrong way to go. And um, we'll we'll see the revision soon enough, I'm sure. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. Are you quite cynical, generally, Dana? I don't. I, I just don't trust. What, I just don't tr trust uh, rich people. I don't trust rich people, at all. Sorry. No. Well, what about what about people who become why? Hmm? why 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 rich people? Why do you not trust them? Oh, so many reasons. I mean, God, I remember one of the biggest clues I had when it came to wealthy people when I used to be a server when I was much younger, much younger. Um, whenever we would do the fine dining, you'd have to do things like impose a tip on people. These are people who can put 300 pounds down for a meal for themselves, but don't even think a moment about giving the person that they've been make jump, jump around for them, you know, just a pittance of that. It, you, you, I always noticed that like working class and middle class people were, they, the generosity was different. Also, I just think there's something strange to me about people who are super, super money focused. I get it when you're, you want to be safe and you want to be secure, but there's certain people when they get that green eyed monster in them, they will do anything. And yeah. there's too, there's too many, there's too many atrocities that happen around the world for a couple of bucks. But I mean, wealth is, you know, well, richness. Do you mean people have an attitude that is more posh rather than rich? Because I mean, well, anyone I mean, there's, be rich. there's an element of exclusivity. Well, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There are people who are incredibly wealthy that don't necessarily carry that. But I, like, I do think a lot of the time they're very out of touch with reality when it comes to actual social issues and people. Mm. Um, they don't necessarily get to meet a wide variety no. of people. No. Um, and they're, they're sequestered even when it comes to their education. Do you know what I mean? To a no. point where, yeah. They say this, they say this about our government as well, is that, that they have basically been in this little Et Etonian boys club since they were 12 mm -hmm. and and they never really grow up because of it they get the same views come back at them everyone's agreeing with each other and i think it the same goes for billionaires which is why the owners of those football clubs made such a terrible error because none of them ever mix with normal people and find out what normal people want and, and at what point is enough enough like i don't the other thing i don't understand about wealthy people is wealthy people who steal like, I understand stealing if you need something, if you can't yes. eat and you have to survive. But it's like, mate, you have a billion dollars. What made you think you need to take a little bit from all these people with much less than you? There's like, there's, there's some kind of psychotic behavior in that to me. It I just, I, I can't, yeah, it doesn't sit with me. Yeah. So the, 
So, Julia, do you want to add anything before I, I try and decide between the next two tweets? Because yeah, there's... yeah, we're we're also putting rich people on the pile to burn them as well as as all the all the stupid people. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, well, I, not I necessarily. We well, all have a vote no, in this. I'm, I'm, not I'm a joking. Warrior, I'm joking. Sorry. Joking. We're not, not we're not doing that. But um, I just think that um, it's not really necessarily about the wealth itself. I think it's about the attitude mm. um, because you yeah. can't, you know, if you are born into money then that's just the way it is it doesn't mean to say you're evil they just it, it you know there are good wealthy people out there as well but and I, I, think, I, I did make that yeah, i did yeah, say yeah, that yeah. yeah i'm not one of them by the way just <laughs> i'm defending them because i'm one of those self-interest <laughs> well as you Far were speaking data i couldn't decide between um but basically uh, trying to g explain what this crazy sport is here in this uh, use of nasa tweet or uh, as you started to talk more and more about attitudes and uh, you know uh, and uh, rich people and all the rest I of just it. I let's go with Dr. Shola because I love her yeah she I love her mind. lovely Shola so you, guys, you can read out you can read it get her on who well, is she? we will at some point have you not have, oh, you, have you not come across her before Ian she's on no on Good morning, Britain and Jeremy Vine. He's Piers Morgan's worst nightmare is what right. she is. She takes right. him to task, especially on, I came to ah, find out. I know who this is, yes, mm -hmm. I do know yes. who this is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I just love she has that Nigerian fire in her. Do you know what I mean? She's like, you don't like me, get in the line. <laughs> she doesn't care. She She's was unapologetic, some, love her. She was, um, I think I saw her on Good Morning Britain mm -hmm. with, um, uh, who was the comic who left here from uh, from Nigeria? Who's done oh, well in Gina. America? Oh, Gina! You know, oh, Gina yes, Yashirai. that was on Sky News. Yes, on oh, Shola. Doctor Shola was one of those women, right. wasn't she? Yeah. I when yeah. I saw that fire on TV, I'm like, you guys need to be careful with those three because none of them care. They will but, say exactly what they think. I'm looking at this tweet, right, and I I can't say that I disagree with any of it really. Um, Boris Johnson is currently. 11 points ahead in the opinion polls. I mean, yeah. uh, what does that tell us about this country? That that we like this, that we approve of this, or that we have no opposition? I mean, are there, I guess all those things could be true. <laughs> it sounds like all of the above a bit. Actually, well, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, no, I agree. I, agree. Good I think most people would read that list um, and go, yeah, he he is definitely homophobic. He's, I don't know about homophobic, actually. I think, I'm not sure about that, but... He's certainly said racist things. He is definitely a liar and corrupt and lacks integrity and and acutely unintelligent. Well, he's got a certain sort of public school intelligence, hasn't he? But and yeah, well, I mean, he, he gets yeah. people vote for him and he's popular. So what's going on? I don't yeah. think in, acutely unintelligent. I think he has a particular intelligence of, uh, you know, I mean, there's a quite a nice clip from what Ian Dale's show. He had uh, Jeremy Corbyn on and. Corbyn was asked, what, what's your memories of the last three prime ministers you served under? And he said, well, Boris was certainly the most entertaining. And I, I rang him up about a particular issue. And, uh, you know, in, in he, he started sort of quoting the Greek classic, Greek classics at me and totally Which lost me, you know. Yes. I mean, it's, that it's partly that entertainment value. But, you know, you, you've raised the right point. He's ahead in the polls. He won the oh, last nice. election extremely convincingly. He was good on Have I Got News For You, essentially. We had him as a as a guest host on of I Got News for You, and he did very very well. And people went, "Oh, we like this guy because he's got a sense of humour. He's not, he isn't, he he is humorous at times, 
But and yet, I, I think that's a perfectly valid valid list in the main, and um, doesn't make any difference what we think. It turns out. <laughs> It's part of the problem, us calling him Boris, by the way, because I'm trying to stop myself doing that. I think people think he's harmless. I think that's the dangerous. Really? Yeah, I think a lot of people think he's harmless. Oh, he looks like a guy you could go down the pub with. Do you know what I mean? But I'm like, okay, go down the pub with him. Don't let him run the country. But it's all an act. (laughs) The whole thing, the bubbling buffoon is an act. I, I mean, I heard a story about how he was editor of The Spectator, and he was terrible at deciding what should be on the front cover. And the sub-editor, whoever it was, the, the deputy editor, phoned him up and said, Boris, we need a decision. And he starts his usual Boris shit. And the guy goes, Boris, will you cut the fucking clown act and make a decision? And Boris apparently turned to him and went, well, the fucking clown act has worked quite well for me so far, hasn't it, really? In a normal voice. And I thought, yeah, the guy, he's not. He dresses like a bumbling buffoon, but he's not a bumbling buffoon. And and I think calling him Boris is like a nickname. I don't think it's helpful. But I mean, Je- Jeremy Corbyn opinion. was called Jezza by enough. Uh, I don't think that's you know. helpful either, no, to okay. be honest. These are politicians. It's meant to be a serious thing, isn't it? I don't want to call him Jezza and well, you, and... Look at Parliament. They think they're at like a comedy night. They think it's like open mic night in there. It's really quite embarrassing. Yeah, I don't I don't like the way it's gone. And I and I think maybe maybe we need more serious people now than someone like Boris Johnson. But I don't know if that's working out because Keir Starmer is a serious person and he is facing a lot of um criticism from uh you know people on the left unsurprisingly. I mean, I've got to say, you know, the vitriol from sort of the hard left is is just ridiculous at times. And but they don't, and they find him uninspiring because he is a serious person. So it's like you know, it's horses for courses in in some ways. The vitriol, the vitriol goes both ways, though, doesn't it? I don't remember the centre left being particularly nice about the the left wingers when Corbyn came in either. And I, I think, you know, the the, the liberals are, are unfortunately split, aren't they? And and so it allows the the government of the day to get away with it. And by the way. This this tweet that you've written here, uh, Dana. That's you know I didn't write it, but yeah. Well, yeah, the tweet that you've 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 Chosen. highlighted here, the Prime Minister before Boris Johnson, or sorry, two before Boris Johnson, David Cameron was getting into bed with all sorts of lobbying groups and making money on the side. It's disgusting all this stuff, and and I and I can't believe we let them get away with it. I it it feels to me like we don't live in a grown up country at the moment. I might be alone in that thought. I'd go as far as to say not a grown-up world. You know, we've had Trump, we've had... Yeah, the, it, it's all been rather comical across the globe, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's... <laughs> not every that's country. It. Maybe, not every country. Well, not every country, but there's been a lot of right-wing... Uh, you know, there's been a lot of right a rise in the right-wing uh, leaders across Definitely. the globe. Bolsonaro Definitely. in Brazil, who's killing his own people at a massive rate. It's true. And Modi in uh, in India as well, who just holds enormous election rallies while they're in the middle of the worst pandemic. I Yeah. But I don't don't you think we need maybe this is what it is. Grown up debate is what we need. And we don't seem to have a lot of that. It seems to be catcalling. From yeah, but, you sides. know, I, I just thought I mean, I'm not disagreeing with the principle of grown up debate, but we often there are people that often say, um, 
oh, we, we must have grown up debate, we must listen to each other, we must exercise restraint, and you know, uh, like don't, after Prince Philip's funeral, for example, there were people who were still on the left saying, um, you know, now today is not the, the day to tweet your sort of nastiness or whatever, and that's all fine, they're all fine sentiments, and they're not ones that I disagree with. But actually, what tends to get people's boats floating is when there's some kind of combat going on, and when, the, you know, when there's some kind of friction. And that is yeah. the human nature. I mean, Twitter can be a cesspit, but it is a reflection. It's also a reflection of human nature as well. Yeah. I mean, sorry to be sort of cynical about it and slightly defeated. It never used but... to be. It never used to be quite like this. I remember politics when it was much more courtly and much more, um, you know... But that's when it could be controlled even more. Cross-party yeah. cross um, uh, agreements... You don't seem to get that anymore. It, it still happens. It's just that we don't we don't talk about it. There are still cross party things going on, but anything that's not sexy in terms of uh, doesn't sell papers. You know, yeah, in terms no, of the, it the legislation no. goes through. You're right, Dana. It doesn't sell papers when you get TV shows. They want people with diametrically opposed views, don't they? So mm -hmm. that they want to fight. Yeah, they want people to fight. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why Piers Morgan is doing so well. He is doing well. Yeah. Right. Let's change the tempo slightly and just go. I was going to say we should we should go we should go to another tweet. Let's let's go um, for something about music well, somewhere. I thought oh this is a fun one. Or yeah, what's go one. what is going on here, Dana? Sorry, I have no idea what this is. So it looks like there's this kid in the center who is dressed up as a yeti. Can you see yeah, him? Yeah, I can. And everybody's now. going in for him. So all these kids oh, yeah. are dressed as their favorite superheroes. We have a lot of Spider Mans. Looks like we have a, a Jedi in the middle, just like some nerds getting together, just having a good old time hitting each other with some pool noodles. That made me smile. Very strange, isn't it? It's, I mean, it might well, sorry to bring it back to this, but it might well be to do with the Super League because Josh Kroenke ah. is the son of the owner of Arsenal. So it's possibly about that. Oh, okay. Uh, right, well, I possibly. I don't know. Well, I saw this one. I think I think people are that it's also a tweet that's going around and people are starting to relate it to other things. It seems the Josh fight. Right. Right. OK. Yeah. Uh, well, it's nice is, to see people having fun. Isn't it? Really? And obviously, yeah. if all of those things are two metres long, it could be perfectly socially distanced as well. Yeah. <laughs> but not a lot of no masks I, I see there. Um, but it's outdoors. Actually, it's outdoors. Yeah, it's out, it is outdoors. Fair enough. But they're, they're the going back to the mask thing. On the bus, or going on the bus, can you believe it? There was a, there was somebody, did somebody bring the tweet about the buses if you're 30 years old? Uh, or maybe I saw it and I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't put it included in the mix. But um, the, going on the buses, if you don't wear a mask or, not, or anywhere else in, you know, like supermarkets and stuff, uh, they're making announcements that don't have a go at them. They may just have medical reasons. And then I see a bunch of like youths youths get onto the bus who don't have the masks. And I'm thinking, mm, is there medical reasons? So I think you're going, Full circles, what you said. I think we're going forward. I think it's going to be hard to enforce any more lockdowns. Uh, but just just tapping into what you said before, because it's remembering that people are forget the march yesterday. People generally are not wearing masks on buses and trains and all sorts of things right now. Uh, the last train I went on, most people were masked up. Most of them were. In my so, neighborhood, nobody's masks in the really, shop. I look really? like a, yeah, I look like a straight up nerd. Oh right. Depressing. Well, to end on a sort of fluffier note, um, Sheila, you, you mentioned this, um, you spotted the tweet that uh, Ian had picked out, which is a very simple message. I genuinely cannot express how much I love music. And I think we started talking about music, so we can uh, 
dovetail this quite nicely. Ian, why did you, I mean, obviously you love music, but, but tell us well, more. <laughs> the last time I hung with Dana was at the Glastonbury Festival. Mm -hmm. And, and um, did you go and see Lizzo? We, do you yeah, remember Lizzo? she was twerking with her flute? Lizzo <laughs> was one of, the, one of the best things I've ever seen, right? Lizzo on, on a sunny Sunday afternoon, I think it was at Glastonbury. Mm -hmm. And there was a packed field and I've never seen joy I genuinely have never seen, don't you think, Dana, it was the most joyous thing? It was. I, I had was to beautiful. leave halfway through to, halfway through to go see Janet Jackson, but um, <laughs> yeah. that was joy, okay? Yeah. But I, knew the all the, I knew the choreography. <laughs> but music is, I, 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 followed, I followed China Sam. I don't really know her. She's into new music and she tweets a lot about music, but I, I feel the same way. Listen, I've written a book about my love of music, but, but I... I thinking about that time at Glastonbury and, and seeing all this music and sharing it with all these people, it is an amazing thing. There's nothing really like it. And I wanted to respond to the tweet, but I didn't really, I just liked it. I didn't really know what to say besides, yeah. You could have done it in I, notes. I, I could have done it in, yeah, <laughs> yes, if I was musically uh, talented. But I, I liked that tweet just because it was a positive and, and the best, I, listen, lockdown has been a, fucking pain in the ass most of it i'll be honest with you but one of the best moments in lockdown was and the date when the glastonbury festival was meant to go ahead and they played uh david bowie's set from 2000 and i love david Aww, bowie i actually yeah, love they yeah. played and everyone i know on twitter was watching it and we were all sharing in that joy from our own little houses and it was a it was an emotional it genuinely gets me emotional think about it. it was an emotional moment for me and i think a lot of people felt the same way watching a guy that a genius who's no longer with us um do his greatest hits and i, I thought it was amazing and i've watched the video quite a few times since then so this tweet i just like how vulnerable it is mm. that's why i included it really i love air i love air too what, the, the band or uh... <laughs> <laughs> like air, yeah, water, too. food. Well, yeah, that's true. But music seems like one of those things, doesn't it? Yeah. To me, it exactly. Does. That's my to point. Me. I is... absolutely concur. And um, I have to say, the saddest uh, thing. I'm I'm profoundly deaf without my hearing aids, and so for me, it's nostalgia. But nostalgia like a hundred times amplified, because I can't necessarily pick up a tune of a new piece of music so no. i don't actually know what's happening in the charts now i don't really get it unless i really listen in a quiet room you know, on my headset um but if i hear just a couple of chords i don't hear the whole thing and that's it i know, the, know song. the song i know I'm, I'm singing it i'm singing it i'm there in the place where i first heard that music or where i'm having a dance with someone or i'm having a laugh with mates or i'm in the pub all these memories it's such an emotive emotive thing smell does that too Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's just it's just beautiful. It just and it touches you in a way. And smells can do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think smells can you know and and combine with music. It's intoxicating. Uh, and actually, this past year, you mentioned lockdown. In it, it absolutely has been oh, a godsend. So, so important. A godsend because you can take yourself somewhere else. Wow. Um, you know, during that lockdown with the, with music. Of course, if you want music and smells, Glastonbury is yeah, the place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's probably a... 
I know, but how happy were we, Dana? Weren't we happy? We're in the sunshine at Glastonbury. Oh, God, I, I always have a wicked time. It's an amazing thing. And, and I'm not just talking about Glastonbury, just live music. I went to see Kylie Minogue on the Sunday, and there were 180,000 people in the field and we were all singing along with Kylie, who... <laughs> had cancer in, and I wasn't even that big a fan, but she, she couldn't go 11 years ago. And then there she was, and she was overwhelmed by it. And, and I, I don't know, you're right, Sajida, music has been one of the saviors of this last year and, and thank heavens for it. So I just exercise. I like that and exercise, but highlight, highlight that tweet. Well, really. totally music and exercise also go. I mean, if I can't go for a jog, if I've not got some banging trance going on, I'll tell you, yeah, um, but I'm glad it's actually very timely, this tweet, because last night I'm, I'm always at my most vulnerable when I'm finishing a box set and wondering what I'm going to do next. And I thought, oh, I've got this, I've got a Depeche Mode um, a documentary to look forward to. And it was it was on a couple of weeks ago. It's basically about it's a 2018 concert they did in Berlin, open air. Um, and it's about six fans that come from all over the world. There's one in my sister was there. Oh really? Oh, amazing. She loves them. Yeah. Well, she there was um, yeah, there's a guy coming from Colombia, and then there's um, there's all these sort of backstories, and and it is amazing. And I haven't really, I mean, I loved Depeche Mode when I was in my sort of early twenties, and haven't. Uh, there's still tracks of theirs that are still on my Spotify, but it was just like yeah, a beautiful journey. Um, I've got to ask you, on the window behind you, is that a is that a tube map on your? On the window behind yeah, me. On the glass oh, it is. behind you. Uh, uh, no, no, okay, not behind me. Oh, there's something behind you that looks like it could be a tube, a tube map. Oh, it does. You're right. Yeah, it does, does look it? like a tube map. Yeah. Oh right. I, Over um, your. Oh, it's no, it's us. just it's no, it's just uh, it's a picture of the tube of the tunnel ah. of uh, the walkway. Can you hang on? Because I need to sort out my charger out because I'm going to run out in a bit. Hang on. <sighs> Stay okay. there. I was going to say, well, now we, I know we're coming to an end, Julian, but I just thought it'd be nice since we have spoken about music and, uh, you know, both guests have shared their, their experience in Rastonbury. There is an iconic musical moment that you've watched over the past year that has got you. I mean, would you stick with... Uh, okay, are, you still, are, you, are you back with us? Yeah? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Oh, yes. yeah. is there, is there, is, would you say it was David Bowie? What would you say that was that iconic moment in music that you've seen in the past year that's made your heart ache? Oh, I think that would have been the one. I also watched a Dave Grohl documentary um, and and they showed a, a video of 1,500 people in Italy, musicians, who all played uh, a, a, um, a uh, song by um, his band, whose name escapes me briefly, Dave Grohl's... Uh, oh, Foo, Foo Fighters. Jam, Foo Fighters. Yeah. And, and there were yeah. all, these, all these drummers and all these guitarists and they, they put on a little thing for Dave Grohl in Italy and they played the video and they sent it to him and you could see when they interviewed him about it he was so moved by the whole thing so they did a special show in that Italian town for those people and it's um, oh that's what I, I mean I love being a comedian right I genuinely love it and I've missed it terribly but if you said to me oh you could be a rock star once I I think I'd go for that to be honest with you it just oh looks God, so we much all be rock stars well, yeah, but and listen, being a comedian is okay. Don't get me wrong; I absolutely love it. But, but, and they do say that all rock stars want to be comedians as well. I but thought it's the other way round. I thought it was. I think it works both yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it works both ways. But yeah, live music—that David Bowie thing really got me. It really did get me. And when you see him do Heroes, that—that okay. that is quite a moving Heroes, moment. I one think. of my favourites. Yeah, it's uh, a great Dana? song. 
Well, what about you? Was there an iconic moment last year that you, you that you've watched on TV, a past musician, one that's gone? Or I'm so that's... strange because I don't really watch TV. But I did think it was really funny how when the Italians went into lockdown, they started singing off their balconies. That was hilarious to yeah, me. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, the, the Chinese are sitting there planting potatoes. The Americans, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true, they were. <laughs> it was nice, that, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And, and Julian, before I mention mine, what, what was yours? Um, I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it, with lockdown? But, um, I mean, one of the songs that I seem to sort of come through through an advert was uh, Beck's Wow. They use it for, I don't know what product it is, but that really stuck in, that was like one of those earplug things that really sticks with you. So I've listened to that quite a lot. Um, but actually, um, the Kate Bush documentary, which we did already speak about in one of our Sorbet yeah, I was editions, thinking, I wonder if he's going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, that definitely, you know, that definitely sort of struck a chord, really, because just sort of sometimes you forget, I don't know how you forget how amazing she was, but... She's a, in, in my book, I do mention, uh, aside from the jam, I do talk about one time where I, I fell in love with Kate Bush and her album, The Kick Inside, came out on my birthday, but I couldn't tell my mates. So I went and bought a little, as a 14-year-old, 15, whatever it was, I went and bought the Kate Bush Kick Inside album for myself. It was my guilty little secret. Oh, that's really lovely. No, I, I love Kate Bush. Of course oh, I, I do. My son, who, my, my younger son, who is 19, thinks she's ridiculous every time she comes on telly. Oh, not her. But she, I just, I uh, love her. Same we, here. Had, we had the big LP with her dressed as all these different bats yes. on the back. I remember yeah. that as a kid. Yeah, I like her a lot. She's cool. Genius. Yeah, my, so my moment was actually the re-showing, they showed uh, Live Aid, making of Live Aid. Yeah. And the moment for me, and it just, I, and my heart just wrenched and ached, um, was when Freddie Mercury sings um, Radio Gaga. Uh, and out that whole auditorium just doing the, wow. you know, the, the clapping of the hands. And the <laughs> fact that he's gone, and he was such a great musician, that had I known when I was a child that he had Asian roots, I could have reclaimed him from the racist skinheads who said he was theirs. And and for me, that was so loaded and so many emotions um, just watching that Live Aid concert. I yeah, mean, I saw the movie. I'm like, how did he hide that he's fully Asian? That's crazy. He was Zoroastrian, wasn't he? In fact, yeah. Freddie Mercury. I saw them live in 1979, Queen. It's the wow. best concert best gig i've ever been to in my life it just blew my tiny little mind i'm 16 years old and freddie mercury is about 40 foot away from me there, and i just yeah. thought this is just and when they all come back on for the bit with bohemian rhapsody where they play the guitar solo it's, it's big flash of light and it was the most exciting thing i'd ever seen at a gig they have a really good statue of him in switzerland it, yeah in montreux isn't montreux, it where the studio is ça, montreux yeah. Exactly. We we went there for this this thing where this world whatever thing. They had us all at that palace, and they needed some comedians. And we went down for the day, and yeah, we swam in. Uh, what's that? It was near the Evian. But I don't. It's the only place I've ever swam where I got water in my mouth. I'm like, this tastes good. <laughs> the lake. There's an Evian lake, is there? Yeah. It was not. It was. It was. It was actually a, a different one. Which one was it? Oh, I'll have to look it up, but Swiss water is that was tasty. Yeah, nice. Right nice. out the right out the lake. <laughs> We're so the glad we've evoked these beautiful memories for for everybody, uh, and it's a nice way to sort of end the show because we are at the end, or are we not? Uh, uh, are we? Yeah, we are. It's, I, I can't believe how That's quickly it's gone. It's just, it's I know, just it goes really, really quickly. Yeah. I could have listened to these guys forever. 
Um, really what starting stories, to get especially, stuff. Yeah. Really good. Lake yeah. Geneva. Lake Geneva. Right. Geneva. Geneva, where the, the, uh, the biggest tourist attraction is a jet of water. <laughs> That's how boring Switzerland is. The jet d'eau. You can go and stand and look at it and go, oh, right, it's a jet of water. Is it like Geneva? I'm trying to think if that's even one because we were quite far. Was it near Lausanne? Oh, I'm mixed up now. It's been years. I'm going to look oh, it up travel. and find out. It's, this, is, this is too much travel porn now. It's too much. Let's not go there. Let's not we'll go do there, it at some point. Literally. We can carry on talking afterwards, actually. Yeah, actually, um, we'll, totally. Hang back in the green room, guys. And we'll just wrap up now. Sorry, Stuart, I cut you off there. What were you going to say? Do you want me to wrap up? I was going to say, yeah, wrap it, yeah, wrap it up because you're going to tell <laughs> yeah, me yeah. to buy us a coffee. Well, totally. Yeah. It's, well, obviously, uh, thanks so much to our guests who are going to hang back with us briefly in the green room so we can give them a thanks there. Um, I uh, want to let you know that the next show we'll do is our Sorbet edition, which is a 30 minute catch up of the world of Twitter, which will be next Sunday at 8.30 p.m. And then after that, on the 9th of May, uh, we've got our next full 75-minute show, and that will be with comedians Louisa Omelan and Matt Green. So looking forward to that. You can... Uh, details of that will be on our site. Uh, various details are scrolling above me on our ticker, which uh, our guests cannot see, but it's courtesy of OBS. It's a lovely ticker with all the things that you need uh, to get into the event uh, Zoom room with Eventbrite or the details to how to watch us on streams. Obviously, please do follow us at LKT Zoom. And also, uh, the really high-tech bit that I like to do, uh, you can also donate yes. to us at Buy Me A Coffee's website. Just go to buymeacoffee.com, hashtag Let's Kill Twitter. And please do follow our guests uh, at uh, for, for Dana, comedian Dana, so comedian D-A-N-A at the end, and, of course, Ian, uh, Ian D. Stone at uh, Ian D. Stone. Do you follow him? And would you want to just plug your wares before we go quickly? Any gigs coming up, Dana? Uh, yeah, you can always check me out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Like I said, I have RuPaul's Drag Race Shantae You Stay at Home quiz finale, which is tomorrow, and then we're done for the season. Then on Wednesday, we have uh, the weekly side-eye. This week, it is the K-K-K-Karen edition. And on Friday, I will be making Peruvian roast chicken with us green sauce and uh you fries mm, sounds nice. good. and ian of course um well yeah buy the book i'd love you to buy the book to be someone available in all good bookshops which are open um it's actually coming out in paperback soon but you know there's still a few hardbacks left uh and i'm doing um a lot of football chat on different tv shows um on bt sport and hopefully come june you'll be able to see me in person talking shit at a comedy club near you. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense. <laughs> yeah, we're all looking forward to going back in all those stages, oh, aren't we? Cannot <laughs> wait. Cannot wait. Anyway, I'm, I, I mean, I don't know how, how... It'll probably be a bit shit, to be honest with you. But, you know, we'll do what we can for a few months till we get up to speed. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure. It's a really, really, really lovely conversation. As I said, we're going to carry on afterwards. Do you follow us and do, do all the things that Julian's asked you to do. And I think we're done now. We should do uh, Yeah, absolutely. Bye to you, everybody. Bye. Goodbye, streamers. See, See you next week. <laughs> See you, streamers. Take care. Bye, guys.
I hope you enjoyed listening to that. It was great fun to make. They always are. Um, this podcast was brought to you in association with, well, no one actually. So that brings me to a little mention of our donation partners, Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, if you just go to the site, Buy Me A Coffee and look up Let's Kill Twitter from there, uh, you can donate if you like what you've heard. Obviously, you can watch us on YouTube as well. If you go to our account at LKT Zoom on Twitter, you can find out all the relevant information from there, including our website, all you need to know about forthcoming shows and watch out for more podcasts and more episodes online. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Bye.